With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Daf Yudbeis, page 12. We begin at the two dots, which is about seven or eight lines in. She'em We said that if he wanted to, he doesn't have to give his give his slave any kind of food. And therefore, it's a schus for him to go out. According to the Chachamim, it's a merit. It's a good thing for him to go out. So therefore, the Baal, if he gives the document to a shliach, he would not be able to back out. Because the shliach is zoche. He merits for the slave. And therefore, the guy can't back out the owner. Shamas Mina, we can deduce from here, that the master can say to his slave, work for me and I'm not going to feed you. So that's clear, right? Because you can say, uh, he wants, that's what the Mishnah says, he can say, I'm not going to give you any food. Gemara says, no. What are we dealing with here? The case is actually where he said, take your maizidah, meaning instead of working for me, work for yourself, says the master to his slave, and use that money to buy yourself food. The Gemara says, wait, if you have the same case by a woman, take your take the money from your work and buy yourself food. So so why can't he say that to a woman as well? We're saying that there's a distinction between an Eved and a woman. The Gemara answers, So the woman, where she doesn't have enough, let's say she doesn't make enough money to provide for herself food. So then the husband is still obligated to give her food. Gemara says, wait, Eved, now maybe Suffolk. What about an Eved if he didn't make enough? So if he didn't make enough to provide for himself, so maybe the master should also have to give him the rest. Gemara answers, The Eved, the slave, is not worth, if a slave cannot does not have the ability to make enough money to fill his own belly, so what's he worth to his master? What is he going to tell, what's he going to taina? What's he going to say to his master and to his mistress? He's going to ask them for money. He's not worth too much. So meaning the bottom line is that the chilek, the difference between a, between a woman who's married and a slave, is that a woman who's married, so there's a chiyuv, there's an obligation on the baal, on the, on the husband, to provide for her food. That's part of the ksuva. But there's no obligation to a master to provide for his slave. So therefore, since there's no obligation for a master to provide for his slave, you can always say to him, go out and work and provide for yourself. And therefore, he can, it's a schus for him, it's a, it's a merit for him to be able to be freed, because he might as well, if he's working for himself, he might as well not be chained to this master. Tashima, we have a brisa, we have a proof, we're going to try to prove Again, that uh, the master can say to his, his slave, keep working for me and I'm not going to give you any food. Tashama. We bring a proof. If let's say a slave kills unintentionally, so he has to go to a city of refuge. So if he's over there in the city of refuge, so the master does not have to give him any food. Not only that, but whatever money he makes goes to his master. So what do we see? It's pretty clear. The master can say to his slave, work for me and I'm not going to feed you. Because what do we see over here? The the, the slave is giving all of his mice, whatever he makes to the master. And the master doesn't have to provide food for him. Gemara answers, what are we dealing with here? The master said to his slave, take whatever money that you make and, and keep it in order to buy food. So the Gemara asks, if that's the case, so why did the Maise whatever he makes, the money that he makes, why does it go to his master? You just said that he said, keep the money that you make and and buy yourself food. Gemara answers, if there's anything extra, so that the extra money beyond the food goes to the master. 
Hedafa Pshita. Obviously, the extra money goes to the master. Mahudetayim, like more answers, you would have thought. Since if he doesn't have any extra money, if he doesn't have enough money even to provide for himself, he's not going to give anything, obviously, to his master. That he shouldn't, the master shouldn't take the money even if he has extra and let him save it for a rainy day. So this teaches us, no, that the, the slave is not allowed to leave over extra money in order to save it for a different day, but rather anything that's extra goes straight to his master. So why, what's the chiddish of Ari Miklat that this is true? I would have thought to say, meaning why would you think that if there was extra he should keep it, as opposed to any other place? The verse says he's going to go to the city and he should live there. So, meaning, so the wise verse says this extra word and he should live. It's teaching you that if it's a, if it's a slave like this, you need to give him, you have to make sure that he's going to live and you have to make sure even if he has a, a little bit extra, you should save it for another time. So that's what you would have thought. So that's why we have to say in this b'raisa that indeed no, if there's anything extra, it goes to his master. The Gemara asks, so it says in the Sefer, that a woman, let's say, who goes, let's say she kills unintentionally and she has to go to a city of refuge, so the husband is obligated to provide for her. Mechlal, that would imply, why does he have to why does he have to give to her? Because he didn't say to her that uh, you keep the money that you make and buy yourself food. Because if he indeed had said to her that she should keep her money that she makes and buy herself food, why, why would he be obligated to give her, give her food? So from the fact that it says that in the second case, the second case of the Brisa is talking about where he didn't say anything to her. So so too in the Reisha, the first case, which is talking about the slave, we can deduce that that case as well is where he didn't say anything. And that that's totally destroys what we, we've been saying until now. So the Gemara answers, no, really, I'll tell you that he did indeed say to him and to her that uh, that uh, he should keep his money and buy himself food. And the case of the woman, why is it that he has to provide for her? It's talking about a case where she does not have the ability to make enough for, him, for herself, and therefore he has to provide for whatever she's missing. The Gemara says, wait, it says in the third case in the Brisa, that if he wants to, he can say to her, take the money and buy yourself food. Mechlal, we can deduce the ratio of the loyamarla. That's only in the, in the third case does he actually say that, but in the first two cases you can deduce that he didn't say it. So the Gemara says, no, this is what it means. And if she makes enough money, she means she's making enough money in order to provide herself with food, and he said to her, keep the money and buy herself food, Rashai has the ability to do that. But in the second case, it's talking about where indeed he didn't, she did not make enough money, and therefore he has to provide for her. What's the chiddush? What's of course, if if he if she's able to make enough money, of course she, he doesn't have to provide for her. You would have thought that we have a concept that we're not going to send her around. You know, this is a woman; she's never been in this town before. Nobody knows her, so it's not it's not sneeze, It's not correct for her to be walking around trying to get business. You might have thought that. So this is coming to teach you it's not true. She's allowed to go around. She's allowed to collect business. She's allowed to find customers. Even though maybe a slight lack in sneers, nevertheless, he's allowed to say this, or he's allowed to cause her to do this. Let us say that this concept, whether or not you can say to him, work for me, I'm not going to pay you, I'm not going to give you any food. So let us say that this is a machlokis tanaim, it's an argument between two different tanaim. A master can say to his, I'm sorry, an evid can say to his master, a slave can say to his master, in the years of famine, either give me food or free me. The master can do whatever he wants. 
He's not beholden to his slave. His slave can't say that. Let us say that this is what they're arguing about. The Marasavar, Yachol, that the second Tana, the Chachamim, so they hold that you're allowed to say, Work for me, I'm not going to give you food. Umarasavar, and Rabbi Shemim, holds, any Yachol, he can't say, and therefore he has to free him or give him food. Vitizvara, is that true? Hi, Iparnasenio, Hitzin, Lecherus, he shouldn't have said, either give me food or free me. He should have said to him, either free me or give me my maizayadayim, the money that I've made, give it to me in order to, to be able to, to buy myself food. Because if the case is where he said, work for me and I'm not going to give you any food, so then let him, the first step that he should ask for is not freedom. The first step that he should ask for is, is the money that he's making. Let him, let him go out, let him say, I want to go out and make my own money so I can provide for myself. Additionally, what's the difference? We're talking about a year of of a famine. Meaning, and Rashi explains that if the guy is a guy who he can't, he has to give his master all of his work, and he doesn't, and his master doesn't have to feed him. So it's always considered for him a shnebatzoris, a year of a famine. So the Gemara says, What's the case? The Amar Loi, he said to him, Go and find yourself work, and take the money that you make, and buy yourself food. But in a year of a famine, he doesn't have the ability to, to find enough people to give him money, to, to make enough parnasa to get food. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, Either give me food, or let me go free. Why? If people see me, so then once I'm free, then people will have more mercy upon me. Because they're not going to have so much mercy upon a slave, but, on a, but upon a regular Jew, a free guy, so they'll have mercy on me. Whoever has mercy upon a regular free person also has mercy upon a slave. So therefore they hold that there's, he has no time. He can't say to his master, free him, because it's not going to help him out. Touch him out. We bring a proof. We're trying to still prove whether or not we say that, a, that the master can say, I say maybe work for me, I'm not going to give you food. The Amarav, Rav says, Hamaktish Avdoi. Let's say a person says that whatever my slave produces, whatever money my slave makes, I want it to go straight to the base Hamigdash, to the holy temple. I want it to be holy. I want to give this donation. So, also, so what does the Ebed do? He needs to eat. So what he does is he borrows money and he he uses that money to buy food. And then whatever money he makes, he pays back the loan. Shmamina. So we're going to explain this soon. But Shmamina, what do we see from here? The master can say to his slave, work for me and I'm not going to provide for you. Why? Because you see that uh, he's taking all of his money, he's taking whatever money he makes and he's, he's de- dedicating it to Hektish, to the Beis Hamikdash, and he's not providing him with any food. We're saying that this, this Evan has to go out and borrow money and then work and pay off the debt. So the Gemara answers, What's the case? That he's giving him food. Yehachi, the Gemara says, if so, we turn the page to Yabez and Why is he borrowing money and buying food if he's getting food from his master? The Gemara answers, No, he's getting food from his master, yeah, but he's only giving him the bare minimums. But he wants to, you know, he's, got, he's used to a better lifestyle, so he wants better food. So he's taking the money, he's, he's borrowing money in order to buy extra food. 
So why does Hektish let him get away with this trick where he's going and he's taking the money and Rashi explains before it gets to a pruta, the only time that it becomes Hektish is when he makes a certain amount. He has to make a pruta. So what he does is he makes half a pruta, like half a penny, and then he takes a half a penny and right away he, he pays it off before it becomes Hektish. So why does Hektish allow him to do this trick? Until now you've been fine without having any extra food. So you should also be fine without any extra food as well. Why is Hektish allowing him to do that? That's what we should say. My answer is Hektish gufei nichole. Hektish actually would prefer that this guy be robust and healthy. In order that his that its slave, right, the slave be healthy, and this way the slave will be able to make more money for Hektish. So Oise Upoirea, so we said what does he do? He works and he slowly pays back the loan. Kama Kama what's going on? How can he how can he pay back the loan? Every time, every penny that he makes, it goes to or every pruta that he makes goes to Hektish. And for the Gemara, the Gemara answers, What's he doing? He's, he's working enough to make less than a Shava Pruta, less than the value of a Pruta, and therefore each time he's paying off right away before it actually becomes holy. It makes sense. It makes sense what? We're talking about a case where the Master is providing him with food. The Amar Rav, because Rav said elsewhere, Another case that sounds very similar to this one. If someone goes and says that whatever my Evid, whatever my slave produces, should become hektish, So he, nothing happens, nothing happens, that which he produces does not become hektish. He can actually take whatever he makes and he can, he can buy, buy himself food with that. Because if we don't say this, who is this Evid going to work for? Meaning, it sounds like he's not working for his master. So, if you want to say that the first kiss is talking about where he's giving him food and he's not able to say, Work for me, I'm not going to give you food. And the second case, where he's not giving him anything, Shopper, it's very good. Then we understand why he's saying, Who's he going to work for? If the case is talking about where he's not giving him any food and he's able to say to his slave, Work for me and I'm not going to give you any food. We said in the second case that if he doesn't work for himself, meaning the slave doesn't work for himself and provide for himself, who's he going to work for? What do you mean? The master can make him work. We just said that the case is talking about that he does have the ability to say that I'm going to make you work without giving you food. So from the fact that we don't say that, it's clear that he does not have the ability to say to his slave, work for me and I'm not going to provide for you. It's a good proof. So we see that Rav holds that indeed he cannot say to his slave, work for me without providing him food. So now the Gemara is going to bring Rabbi Yechanan, that Rabbi Yechanan says the exact opposite. Toshima, Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan argues on Rav. Let's say somebody cuts off the hand of his friend's slave. So what does he do? He pays the owner of the slave. He gives him whatever time he lost from work. And he also pays for the doctor bills. And that money all goes to the master. What does that slave do? So he gets food. He has to take money from charity in order to get food. What do we see from the statement of Rabbi The master can say, work for me and I'm not going to give you food because in this case, the master is getting the, the income of the slave, so to speak, and he doesn't have to provide for him. He, gets, he has to take money from charity in order to provide for himself. Gemara answers, wait, maybe it's not a good proof. What's the case? Maybe he is indeed giving him money. So then what does it mean that he has to take money from charity? For extra, meaning whatever he needs past the bare minimum so that he can get from tzedakah. The Gemara says, wait, that can't be. If that would be so, it shouldn't say that he is nizun. Nizun means he is 
provided for his necessities from charity. Misparnis mi baile. Misparnis, lesson of parnasam, means not just his, his bare bones necessities, but his livelihood, the, the general things, the more, the more perhaps not the bare necessities. That's what it should have said. So from the fact that it says that he takes money from charity in order to provide himself with his bare necessities, that's a proof that the master can get his money, can get the money of whatever he produces, and he does not have to provide him with food. So there we see that Rabbi Yechelen argues with the Rav. Now the Gemara continues. Amar Mar, we said in this statement, Rabbi Yechelen said, that he gives the loss of work and the doctor bills money to the master. So obviously he gives him the loss of work to his master, that belongs to the master. So it's the Chiddush, the novelty is for the case that the, the refuah, the doctor bills money goes to the master. So the Gemara says, wait, refuah di dehu. It's the money should go to the to the slave. He has to, he has to be able to pay the doctor. The He has to pay the doctor with it. The Gemara answers like The case is like this: the court decided that it's going to take for him five days to get better. So he said you have to pay for those five days. And this and the slave he got some kind of very powerful medication. And he was cured in three days. So you might have thought that since the slave is the one who underwent that pain, the extra pain of using taking this stronger medication so maybe he should get that money so that's why we're saying no the money is profit it's profit of the slave and that money goes to the Baal goes to the owner the rabbi of the slave Tanya we learned in a brisa Amar Blazer Amarnalo the mayor we said to mayor and so it's Rabbi Lazar talking who was a who was a compatriot of Rabbi Meir, so he referred to him without saying Rabbi. So he said, We said to Rabbi Meir, Is it not a merit? Isn't it not a good thing for the slave to go out free? So, so why is it that you're saying that uh, the master can still back out? That the person, the messenger who got it, is not considered that he's Zoha for him, he's not meriting for him. Why are you saying that it's a, it's a merit for him to go out? Amar lanu, chayvulo. So Rimea said, no, it's a bad thing for him. Shemahaya Evid, Koyin, if he was a slave of a Koyin, Poislamana Chuma. So now he's not going to be able to eat any Chuma anymore. He's not going to be able to eat the special food of the Kohanim, which is easier to come by. Amar Nulo, so he said back to him, What about the fact that if he wants to, he doesn't have to give him any money, he doesn't have to give him any food. He doesn't have to take care of him at all. He's permitted to do that, so it's a schus for him to go out. Amarlanu. So Rabbi Meir responded, Uma ilu evid kohen sheborach. What if you have some kind of slave of a kohen who ran away? Ishes kohen shemarda albaila, or the wife of a kohen who she rebelled against her husband and ran away. Right. So meaning they they're not interested in getting money from him. They ran away. Nevertheless, they still still are able to eat from chuma. So they have a schus. They have a merit. So it's not a good thing for them to be to be freed. And this guy doesn't have the ability to eat now. Now that he's getting freed. And so the rabbi said, yeah, we agree to you. We agree to the fact that for a woman it's not a good thing. Because she's losing out now. She, she doesn't eat truma. And now she loses the fact that he's providing for her all of her necessities. Now the Gemara says, What is this conversation? What was he saying to them? What were they saying to him? What's going on? This is what he was saying to them. You have said a good time, you have said something very good in regards to the fact that he doesn't have a schos, he doesn't have a merit in regards to the food. Because he could just cut off the food at any time. What are you going to answer me in regards to truma? The fact is wherever he goes, he can get truma. And if you want to say, that the Baal, the owner, at any time, he can throw him a document that frees him, meaning it's totally within the hands of the Baal, the Rabbi, to, to, 
to totally take him out of ever eating shuma again. So it's not a schus for him. alma. What do you mean? This guy, as soon as the slave sees that this guy is coming, his master is coming, he can run away so that he can't get within four amos of him. In order for the get to, to free him, so in order for the shtar shikhur, this uh, freedom document to free him, it has to land within four cubits of him. So he can always run away and he can always still remain able to eat Truma, so if that's the case, so then it's not a good thing for him. We continue on the top of Yigimel Mar Aleph. Uma ilu eved kohen. What about an eved, the slave of a kohen, Shaborach, that he ran away, ve'ishis kohen shamar the albayla, or the wife of a kohen who rebelled against her husband, she ran away. Allah that uh, they're able to eat truma, but this guy, now that he's freed, is not going to be able to eat. So the Gemara says, Shaper kamer lahu. So he was saying a very good thing to them. So what's their response? What's the, what's the response of the rabbis? This is the explanation of that which they have responded in the Mishnah. They responded and said, look, he is his possession. What does that mean? If he wants to, the owner, he can take four Zuzim from a regular Jew, Upasale. The guy doesn't have to be around, the slave doesn't have to be around for the master to easily be able to take him out of the fact that he can eat truma. All he has to do is sell him for four zuz to a regular Yisrael, to a regular Jew, and no longer will the Evid have the ability to, to eat truma. So therefore, since it's it's within the power of the Baal to do that quite easily, so it's a schus, it's a greater merit for the guy to be out on his own, to be freed, since he doesn't get any food from his master. We're going to go into the Mishnah. We understand what the merit is in regards to a Kohen, because he has the, the, the slave of a Kohen, because he has the ability to eat Shuma. Evid Yisrael Ma'iklamim. What about, you're saying an across the board halacha, that if an Evid, it's a greater schus for him to be still meshubid, to be enslaved, than it is for him to be free. What about a regular Jew? There's no Shuma to talk about with a regular Jew. So Bishmuel Barav Yitzchak says as follows, You know why an Evid, a slave, would rather be enslaved? Because as long as he's enslaved, he's allowed to be married to a Shifcha Kenainis, to a slave woman, a maidservant, who's a Kenainis, a non-Jewish maidservant. So the Gemara says, wait, It's good for him to remain enslaved, it's good for him to get free, because now he can marry a regular Jewish woman, before he can't. So the answers, An Evid, a slave, actually prefers to be able to have relations to, or to marry a maidservant because he, she's low in his eyes and she is, she, she's available whenever he wants and, and she'll do whatever he wants. Such a woman, he'd rather, he'd rather have that type of woman rather than have to marry a regular Jewish woman who's very tanua. Therefore, it's a schus, it's a merit. He, he would actually prefer to remain enslaved.